Welcome to Studying the Song, a podcast to help musical theater actors figure out what to sing and how to sing it so that you shine in your audition, one-woman show, or leading role. My friends, talent and passion are only the beginning. I believe there is freedom in preparation. I believe that when you put in the work, practice the skills, and do the research, something amazing happens. You become so prepared in your craft that you become unstoppable. In this podcast, I want to give you the tools and skills to create a powerful audition book that showcases your artistry and actually gets you work. I want you to feel totally at home reading the musical score of a show, and I want to help you define your unique artistic voice. Consider me your own personal vocal coach in your earbuds, cheering you on and bringing you the reality checks you need along the way. I'm Corey Yamaoka, and I'm so excited to be walking this journey with you. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to Studying the Song. Today we're going to be continuing our series about melody and how it tells a story. I really believe that the melody itself, it has its own architecture and logic, and it has its own way of laying out like what we would call exposition, if we were talking about a story, creating tension and rising action, and then coming to a climax, and then resolving. All those elements of a story, the music can do that. And we know this because we watch movies that have underscore that like take us on an emotional journey, right? Or we're listening to songs and we we start to cry, you know, as we're listening or watching a theater show because the music is so powerful, right? So I wanted to, in, in this podcast, be able to just talk about like, what is the music doing itself before we even look at a lyric and a character and the play overall, right? What is just the music doing? So um, that's what we're going to do today. Today is part three. We're going to be talking about song form. So you might know some of these terms like A-A-B-A form or verse chorus form, um, you know, verse chorus bridge. You might be familiar with like refrain and release if we're talking about Tin Pan Alley. So all of those things we're actually going to get to by the end of this episode. Um, So, but first what I want to do is just remind us what we talked about in part one and part two of this series so that those can be planted in our brain because I'm going to be referencing some of that material. All right, so let's dive in. In episode 19, part one, we talked about melodic contour. And that was simply just how the the notes move from one to the next. Are they up or down? Is it by a step or is it by a skip or a leap, right? And then what is the overall shape of those ups and downs once we sort of step back and look at the whole contour? Um, And then we also identified if there is a single um, climax, uh, climax of a high note or, or it could be a low note in that whole melodic contour. So just really trying to get a sense of what is this melody doing up and down, and is there meaning that can be drawn out of just that? Um, One of the examples we talked about was... What is that? When you wish upon a star. And that top note, anything your heart desires. The top note, that anything your heart desires. They paired the word 
anything. Like the world is your the, the world is is your oyster. There is no limit. And they put that thought on the highest pitch. So that kind of a thing, right? The melody is pointing to that note. It feels wonderful to sing. It feels full of life and like it's soaring out of the voice. And then they put a lyric that geniusly fit that same feeling. So that's what we mean just by contour, up and down, high note, or climax. And then in episode 20, we actually got a little bit more um, nitty gritty with some like music theory kind of stuff. We talked about motifs and motivic development. So how the motif is then developed throughout a melody. And what's important to remember about this, and it's going to come up today, is that you know, composers aren't reinventing the wheel in every measure or in every phrase. Like, and what should the next part of this melody be? Usually there's some sort of nugget, like a little series of notes, maybe three, four, five, six notes, or maybe there's like a little rhythm that gets repeated throughout a song. And then there's slight variations of it, like maybe an interval is slightly bigger in the next phrase, or maybe, um, you know, the interval changes direction and then it fits with the chord in a different way. Maybe just it's the same motif, but you extend a little bit on the end of it. Um, And remember, we talked about Steps of the Palace and Sondheim and how he is such an economical composer using a motif and really exploring every single way that you could adapt that motif without having to introduce new um, melodic material. And um, Steps of the Palace, he's a very nice prince. It's that same little pickup series of three or four notes every single time. And then the intervals at the end change depending on what the chord is. Or the... Um, the the motif adds on a few notes to accommodate more lyrics. That was the example that we drew on. And the motivic development is so important to know because, because A, like I said, the composer's not reinventing the wheel. There's something that they're just exploring all the different variations of. And then that provides glue for the whole piece. It's what makes that piece feel like it all goes with each other. All the sections go with each other. Each phrase builds upon the previous phrase. And when you know that this is what's going on and this is what the composer's doing, I I think it makes it easier to memorize the songs, but that's sort of, you know, lower on the list of importance. You can understand their intent and then you can deliver it with more conviction you you know when to stick with exactly what was written because they're working an idea out. It's like, this is the first version. And then this next part is the version with this. But then the next part is the version with this. And so if you just do what they're telling you to do, the melody will develop in this really beautiful way, right? That's why composers are are composers and they're and they're not lyricists and they're not engineers because they have a genius for handling these melodies, right? So it, it just deepens our understanding of how to perform it. And then it can also let us know when we can change what's on the page. When we've paid tribute and honored what they've done, 
Um, and then there's a moment where we can add a little bit of our own flavor or, or our own um, interpretation. So, I mean, that's the point of all of this, knowing this much about a melody, like going this deep into it is to deepen our understanding and to make our performance more nuanced. Yeah. Okay. So that's what episode 20 was about, motivic development. That was part two. Today is part three, song form. So we're going to be talking about phrases and how phrases combine into little formulas. And then those formulas have become what we call song forms. And like you are probably familiar with verse, chorus, and bridge. Those are different sections of a song. Um, you might just think of them in terms of like an A section or a B section. Um, in Tin Pan Alley, you'll often see on, on your music um, of people like Cole Porter or Gershwin or Irving Berlin, um, you'll see like refrain and release. That's sort of like A and B section. So we're going to figure out like how did those things develop? How do they come about in the song? And then what are some of the formulas? Um, and I hope that this will be enlightening and and help you with how you want to interpret the music. I find it fascinating. So if you're here listening to it, you must also. So the first thing, here we go. What is a musical phrase? Okay, that might seem really simple and obvious, but let's start there because the beginning is a very good place to start, as Julie Andrews says. A phrase is just a musical thought. And just like in language, Musical thoughts will get strung together to make like a little sentence, and then the sentences get put together into a paragraph. And in our case, we usually, by that point, we'll call it a section, like a verse or a chorus, okay? Musical phrases can vary in length. There's no set determination. Um, You know, a person might say a very short sentence like, come here. Or they might say a longer sentence, like, I can't believe it took you so long to get here, right? We want variety. We want a different, uh, we want different phrase lengths. Um, What you'll see in songs is that it sort of stays the same for a section or multiple sections. Um, But some composers don't, and we will talk about that too. Typically, phrases are one bar in length, two bars, four bars, or eight bars. Okay, that's typical, but some people like Andrew Lloyd Webber like to switch all that up. Okay, so we're going to talk about I don't know how to love him and we'll actually count through those phrases. But before that, let's look at the typical stuff and let's start with um, I always like to go back to nursery rhymes because we all know them and it's uber super clear what um, what the song is. So if you take a song like Hot Cross Buns, we could say there's there are one bar phrases, hot cross buns. That's one measure. Hot cross buns. That's measure two. One a penny, two a penny. That's measure three. Hot cross buns. Okay. The discrepancy, though, could be you could say they're two bar phrases. Hot cross buns. Hot cross buns. That would be one phrase. One a penny, two a penny. Hot cross buns. That would be the second phrase. So I just want to say, like, there's a little bit of, you know, wiggle room with interpretation. There's no right or wrong. This is just to get you thinking about how to split up phrases. I still think it's four phrases, hot cross buns, hot cross buns, one a penny, two a penny, hot cross buns. Okay, like that. Here's an example of a two-bar phrase. Um, Let's see. I dreamed a dream from Les Mis. I dreamed a dream in days gone by, two, three, four. That would be two whole bars. 
One when hope was high and life worth living. That's another two bars. And it goes on like that. Okay. Here is a four bar phrase. Um, let's see. Cabaret. What good is sitting alone in your room? That's four bars. Now it feels short because that is in cut time. So we're counting one, two, 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 three, two, four, two. Yeah. What good is sitting alone in your room? That's the first phrase. Come hear the music play. That's another four bar phrase. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Another four bar phrase. Come to the cabaret. And that's the last four bar phrase in that. So it can, music happens in many different phrases. Sometimes it could even be eight. I didn't have an example of that for you today. Or it could be like Andrew Lloyd Webber, where it's like a three bar phrase. You're like, what? That's weird. Uh, but usually one, two, or four are gonna be the most common. So first step is to identify what the phrases are. Is this a one bar, two bar, four bar, or eight bar phrase? You get it. I'm beating the dead horse like I always do. The next part is to put the phrases next to each other and compare them and start to label them. And this is very much in the same way that you would label um, poetic rhyme and structure with like A, B, A prime, that kind of thing. So if we were looking at hot cross buns again, and we started to create a little label system, we would say um, hot cross buns. That's our melody. And then the next phrase is hot cross buns. Okay. That's the same melody. One a penny, two a penny. Oh, that's something totally different. And then hot cross buns. Oh, that first melody again. So if we were labeling it in a literature class, it would be A, A, B, A. It's a very common form, but it's not the only form. So let's talk about some other ones. King of New York. I've used this like in, in every episode for the last month, but it's just one of those songs that comes to me. A pair of new shoes with matching laces. That's an A. A permanent head at the sheep, a permanent box at the sheep's head races. That's A. A porcelain tub with boiling water. A again. A Saturday night with the mayor's daughter. That's something totally different, right? That's a B. So it's this idea of comparing phrases and saying, is this the same? Is this similar? Or is it completely different? And in both the cases I've given us, it's either been the same or something totally different. Let me give you one where it's similar, okay? So take a listen to um, I'm Still Hurting from last five years. Jamie is over and Jamie is gone. So that's our A. Jamie's decided it's time to move on. That's almost identical. It's just at the end, there's a little extension, right? It's the motivic development is just a little extension. So I would call that A prime, okay? Jamie has new dreams he's building upon. Again, that is almost identical. It's only the first Jamie. Yeah, the J, the, um, that pitch goes up higher than the other, a, um, the other A phrases. So that I would call A double prime. And then the last phrase would be, and I'm still hurting. That's totally different. So we call it B. So this form for this little bit of the verse is A, A prime, A double prime, B. So it's similar to King of New York. There's just little variations instead of exact repeats of the A theme. 
So you see how we do that. Yeah, it's it's not rocket science. I'm sure we're all familiar with doing this when we were in English and in high school or junior high or whatever. So now that we have those sort of basics laid out, I want to actually look at some songs and figure out what the form is from beginning to end and see what patterns we start to see emerge, okay? So the first one I want to look at um, from beginning to end is From This Moment On by Cole Porter. Okay, I love this song. I don't know why more people don't do this song. So y'all like put it in your book if you need a Timpan Alley or a jazz standard. This is a great song because it can be sung straighter like a Timpan Alley 20s piece or it could be, you know, jazzified up and a more... um, allow for more improvisation. Why can't I speak today? Okay, so this song goes, from this moment on, I'm just going to do the melody since that's what we're listening to. Bum, 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 so that's the first part of the melody, okay? I would say these are four bar phrases. We're in cut time. So the first phrase is bum 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 bum. We'll call it A. Next phrase, ba 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 ba. Okay, that's totally different. That's a B. Next phrase, ba 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 ba. Okay, that is different than A and different than B. But if you remember our motivic analysis, it's very similar to B. It's like a sequence, basically. It's all just down a pitch, but it's not the same pitches. So we will have to call it C for our phrase analysis. And then the last phrase is ba, 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 ba. That's totally different. So it's like A, B, C, D, where C is related to B. And this last phrase, D, ba, 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 that was sort of it is like the reverse of A. Ba, 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 ba. Ba, 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 ba. Isn't that cool? So again, that's motivic analysis. You're you're um, inverting that melody. Anywho, if we're going to analyze the phrases, it's A, B, C, D, okay? And then the song goes on. Ba, 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 ba. That's A again. Ba, 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 ba. That's B again. Ba 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 ba. That's C again. Ba 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 ba. Ooh, that was almost the same D, but a little interval change at the end. So that's going to be called D prime. Okay. So so far we've got one section that has four phrases, A B C D. And then we have another section that has four phrases, A B C D prime. Okay. Then something totally different happens. Uh, what is this? Okay, let's call this, what's after D? E. F. G. H. Those are all different melodies, right? That in, in this sort of different section. But what we know from the motivic development is that there is a rhythmic theme happening here, a rhythmic motif. So there's this glue 
that holds together this B section, I'll call it. I know I shouldn't be like cross-referencing my letters, but this different section still has its own glue within it, which is so cool. Um, again, it's another motivic development tool, yeah, using the same rhythm. So these would be four phrases, again, what do we say? E-F-G-H, yeah, but all of those are actually pretty related. Then... What happens next in the song? We go back to from this moment on. So that's an A. Ba, 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 ba. That's B again. Ba, 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 ba. Oh, little change. That's C, but a little different. We'll call it C prime. Heavy handed da. Oh, that's kind of like D, but not quite. It's, let's call it D double prime because we already had a D prime. From this moment on. And then that's something totally different. I don't know. I think we're on letter I. All that to say that this closing section is almost the same as the first two sections, but with some variations. So if you zoom out a level and look at the macro form of what we just figured out, is that there's a section, A, B, C, D, another section that's almost identical, something totally different, and then something that's basically that first section again. So these sections we can now analyze as A, A, B, A. And that's where the song's form actually comes into play. So we, we analyze the, four, the phrases themselves, two-bar phrases or four-bar phrases, and we compare them, same, different, similar, right? A, B, C, D. And then once those congeal into sections, we're like, oh, those are four four-bar phrases. That's one little bit, right? Now that becomes a song section. That becomes verse or chorus. Or in this, you know, this is a Tam Pinale song. It's not a verse-chorus style. Um, it becomes section A, Okay, one of the most common song forms is A, A, B, A. And that's exactly what this song is. In this song, every section, hang on, let me make sure I'm not lying here. Or you've got the, I need to touch. Yeah, every section, the phrase, there are four of each phrase. So section A is 16 bars. Section, the next A is 16 bars. Section B is 16 bars, and section A at the end is 16 bars. So this is where we get our 16-bar audition cuts from. They're like, just sing an A section for me. And what do we do? We usually pick the one at the end because that has like the little endy thing where, you know, the last phrase is twice as long or, or the, the last phrase has the, note th the notes that go up. But this is where 16 bars comes from. 32 bars would be simply adding another section. And it makes sense. You wouldn't add another of the same section. We don't want to hear the same music, two A's in a row. You'd want to hear an A and a B. Or what would make more sense is actually singing the B. Uh, what is that for? You've got the love I need so much. Got the skin I love to touch. Got the arms to hold me tight. Got the sweet lips to kiss me goodnight into the final A. From this moment on, you and I, babe, we'll be riding high, babe. Every care is gone from this moment on. That's a 32 bar. 
that's where it comes from. Now, this is an up-tempo song, so the 32 bar isn't going to feel super long, um, but it's still a 32 bar cut. Y'all, that's, I feel like we don't even know where 16 and 32 bars come from. That's important for this episode. So what you'll notice is if you are too closely counting the measures, you might end up having a section that's like 19 for 19 bars long. And that's only because the last A, like I said, does that thing where the last phrase is twice as long. From this moment on. Or what's the end of cabaret? Uh, the love of cabaret. Yeah, where every note is twice as long. That's all I can say. It's like halftime feel, I guess you could say. I'm, I'm always like over explaining, but I just really want to get my point across. <laughs> um, so let's look at another song and see what form might emerge there. We're going to look at As Long As He Needs Me from Oliver. Okay, so this melody, you guys know this one, right? As long as he needs me. I would say that's the first phrase, and it's two bars, okay? I know where I must be. Okay, that's almost the same. Ba, 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 do. Then it goes up. So let's say it's A and then A prime. Ba, dee, 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 dee. Ah, okay, that, we, do we have to call that different? I think we might have to. So the third phrase, motivically, it's just a sequence. We're taking the melody up a note and singing the same the same series of intervals, right? But uh, what is it? Da 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 da. Ba ba da ba ba ba. Ba 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 ba. Yeah. So it's like a a prime, a double prime. Let's just get away with it. Let's do that. As long as he needs me. Okay, that's definitely different. So we'll call that B. So that is four phrases and they're two bars each. So if we do math, that is an eight bar section. That's our first big A. Then it does it again. As long as life is long, I'll love him right or wrong. So that's A and then A prime. And somehow I'll be strong. That's our A double prime. As long as he needs me. And that's B again. Okay, so we have basically an A section of eight bars and another A section of eight bars, right? Then we get something totally different. If you are lonely, oh, that's not the bit. If you are lonely, then you will know. I guess that was right. That B section feels short, but that's what it is. So it's two two bar phrases. So it's it's just four bar B section here, okay? And then we get back to da 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 da. Okay, that's a, the exact beginning of the A section. Ba ba da ba ba ba. There's our A prime. Ba ba da ba ba ba. Oh, that was not our A double prime. It was like this cool extension, a little development of it. A triple prime? I don't know. Can we say that? And then, as long as he needs me. That's definitely related to B, but it goes up at the end. You see how there's room for interpretation, but that the point is not that there is one right or wrong answer. It's that you're starting to see how the melody is being developed and that one of the biggest points 
that I try to make with singers is like the first time or two, sing the melody in that section exactly as is written. You may have a cool variation, but save the variation until the A that comes back at the end, right? That's when you do something a little different. And that's indeed already how the composers wrote these songs. They were smart guys. They know we're going to give the simple vision first, and then I'm going to give the slight variation on the second time. And then the last time I'll give the big variation that has the notes that go up at the end so that it feels more final and more like a climax at the end. Yeah, that's how the story is being told. I tell you the basic part of the story, then some things happen and there is, you know, conflict or variation. And then we have a climax. Yeah. And this song, I would say, ends with the climax. It doesn't have a denouement after it. If you want to know the form of this, it's A, remember that eight bar A, and then another A, and then that short B section and then A again. So it's the same form as from this moment on. It's just half as long. Instead of 16 bar sections, it's eight bar sections. And then the B is a four bar. Okay. This is when I feel like I'm saying so many numbers that everybody listening has tuned out. I love you all. Thank you for bearing with me on the nerdy music deep dive that we're doing in this series. Okay. Let's take a look at um, one more song. So as you can tell, I've been living in the land of like American songbook, Tim Pan Alley kind of songwriters and songs. But this this is the foundation for all musical theater writing and, and most actual just even pop songwriting. So let's go back to Still Hurting from the last five years. Jamie is over and Jamie is gone. Okay, that's two bars. That's the first phrase. We called it A before. Jamie's decided it's time to move on. That's A prime. Jamie has new dreamy building upon. That's A double prime. It's almost exactly the same, except for the first note on J. And I'm still hurting. That's B. Okay, little music interlude. And then again, Jamie arrived at the end of the line. There's our little A. Jamie's convinced that the problems are mine. A prime. Jamie is probably feeling just fine. A double prime. And I'm still hurting. There's B again. Okay. Now we're going to, so that was two sections that are the same. A, 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 B, A, 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 B. If we zoom out, we would say it's an A section followed by another A section. Um, then something different. What about lies, Jamie? What about things that you swore to be true? That kind of feels like all one phrase, one four-bar phrase. What about you, Jamie? What about you? I think this melody is right. I'm sight reading this. And that could be either two two-bar phrases or one four-bar phrase. Basically, it's an eight-bar B section. Okay. And then we get back to Jamie is sure something wonderful died. Oh, there's A again. Jamie decides it's his right to decide. A prime. Jamie's got secrets he doesn't confide. That is A double prime or almost exactly the same as A. And I'm still hurting. And that is B. So we have just done the A-A-B-A, -A -A, the zoomed out song form. That's exactly the same as As Long As He Needs Me and From This Moment On. 
Now, what happens in JRB's stuff, Jason Robert Brown, is that we get go and hide and run away, run away. We get another totally new section of music. So this would be like a, a C section. Sorry, my mouth is getting dry. And then there's a musical interlude. Um, and then we get give me a day, Jamie, bring back the lies, hang them back on the wall. Oh, that was like our little section we had before. Maybe I'd see how you could be so certain that we had no chance at all. Okay, and that's a little extension of the B section before. So it's, you are seeing the glue, right? You're seeing how the song is being built from beginning to end and how we're bringing back the material, but now there's a little extension of the phrase. And Jason Robert Brown, I mean, his songs are crafted the architecture of them are so, um, they're long songs, but the architecture is so beautiful and they really do build upon each section. Um, it's beautiful, beautiful writing. Um, and then we get our final A. Jamie is over and where can I turn? Cover with scars I did nothing to earn. Maybe there's somewhere a lesson to learn, but that, but that wouldn't change the fact. What, <laughs> you guys... But, but, two, three, four, but that wouldn't change the fact. That's what it is. That wouldn't speed the time once the foundation's cracked and I'm still hurting. So all of that is just like building and building on itself and extending and then we get the final still hurting so in that first a section when i said it's a a prime a double prime b the end of the song is just development of that little b phrase yeah okay so that was a lot i also feel like i talked a million miles a minute i'm sorry about that but i just want you to to feel that the song's form has a journey that it's going on and that when you repeat something, it provides something for the listener to hang their ear on, right? They're like, oh, okay, I get this. But what you know when listening to Still Hurting is that the chords change and the same melody, even though it is the same notes, feels very different every time you sing it because the chords underneath it are changing. And that's a layer that we aren't even discussing in this episode or in the previous episodes in this series. So the story is being moved along by the harmonies underneath. Yeah, very interesting. And then what's super cool is that that um, the B section, what about that? The contour of that melody is going up, right? We're suddenly in a higher part of the voice. It's a more soaring part of the voice. And it's also a more urgent part of the voice. When you, when you speak at that pitch, when you sing at that pitch, there's a more urgency. You're either warning or you're crying out or you're, um, you're calling for something. And that's exactly what's happening. So the contour is telling its story like, ah, something important for this. It's more urgent. I'm needing something here, right? And then after that, we come back to ba-ba-ba-ba-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's almost like a... Everything's going to be okay. I'm just going to keep convincing myself, right? I'm just going to keep saying this thing, this mantra over and over, 
And if I say it enough times, then I'm going to be okay. That's what it's giving me as a, a as a melody without the lyrics. Yeah. And then we get the is the explosion of emotion where you're like, oh, okay, things really aren't okay. And then when you add the lyrics on it, Jamie is a da, 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 Jamie is a so she's really saying like, oh, this other person is doing this, and this other person needs this, and this other person needs this, and this I'm I'm still hurting. Oh, I don't get what I need. I just get to be the leftovers. So it it is informed by what that melodic story is. And then it's supported, especially when it goes to the B section that goes up higher. Okay. You guys get it. Like go back to your songs now and look at them with this eye. Like are these one, two, four bar sections? Okay. Are these uh, are phrases? Okay. Now are these phrases the same, similar, or different from the previous ones? Are these four bar phrases stacking up in a certain like AAAB or ABCD? Yeah. And you're just going to go deeper into the understanding of your song. Okay. Now I did tell you, we would look at one song where the person just threw it all out the window and that is Andrew Lloyd Webber. So let me pull up. I don't know how to love him. Hang on. Okay. You guys, I don't know how to love him. That's our first phrase. It's two bars long. What to do, how to move him. I think that's the second phrase. That's also two bars. I've been changed. Yes, really changed. Okay, I think that's another two bar phrase. In these past few days when I've seen myself, I seem like someone else. I think of that as one long four bar phrase. You could say it's two two bar phrases. So that's two, 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 four. If you add all that up, that's 10 bars. So our first like big A section, if you do the zoom out, is 10 bars long instead of eight or 16. Okay, that's weird. Then we keep going. I don't know how to take this. Two bars. I don't see why he moves me. Two bars. He's a man. He's just a man. Two bars. And I've had so many men before in very many ways. Okay, that would be our long four bar phrase. And then we get, he's just one more. So now it's a five bar phrase at the end. So it's two, 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 five. That's now 11. Okay. So our second A section is 11. It's almost the same. He just adds that little, he's just one more to close it off. Okay. So that's strange now that you see how the other ones are so often eight and 16. Then we get the, um, the B section. Should I bring him down? Should I scream and shout? Should I speak of love? Let my feelings out. Is that all one four bar phrase or is it four one bar phrases? I don't know. I never thought I'd come to this. That's like a bar and a half, two bars. What's it all about? That's three bars. So how many bars is a section? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's a nine bar B section. That is so weird. And it's like, a four-bar phrase, a two-bar phrase, and then a three-bar phrase. I just, this is one of the things about Andrew Lloyd Webber. I think that always feels 
unsettling to me is that it is not mathematically simple. It doesn't line up into little squares and rectangles that I can stack on top of each other. This is the weird Tetris game where you need all the different shapes and you fit them all together. And you're like, okay, from beginning to end, this is working as a song, but it's not the norm. It feels a little strange. Um, Okay, then we come back to our final A section. Don't you think it's rather funny? That's two bars. I should be in this position. Two bars. I'm the one who's always been. That's two bars. So calm and cool. No lover's fool running every show. Okay, that was the long four-bar one. And then he adds on, he scares me so. Okay, so that's five bars, I guess. So again, we get another 11-bar A section, which is so odd. And then there's the um, the B section as an instrumental. But that's really like the main part of the song there. So A, A, B, A, but 10-bar, 11-bar, 9-bar, 11-bar. Whack-a-doodle, you guys. But still honoring the form. Still A-A-B-A, right? Okay. All right, y'all, we're going to wrap it up right here. We just spent 40 minutes diving deep into phrase labeling. If you guys have lasted this long, you are champions and I love you. This is going to be the conclusion of our How Does Melody Tell a Story series. If you haven't listened to part one and part two, I highly suggest going back and listening to those you will look at your music in an entirely new way. If you don't have like, um, you know, official music training, you didn't go to music school or you feel like you're behind in music theory, this is a great way to look at it with a singer's eyes so that you're not getting bogged down in like, oh, I don't know how to read what note is what note. You don't need to know that, right? You just need to know the concept of what's going on up and down, what patterns do you see? And I think that those are all things you can do um, without getting bogged down in like being able to sight sing. Like, yes, that's good. I want you to be able to sight sing. I can teach you how to do that. But can you analyze your song, analyze your score? Um, With that in mind, you guys, I kind of want to do a score analysis class. So if that's something you would be down for, like on a Zoom hit me up, write me an email, studyingthesong at gmail.com. Okay. If you're interested in doing this more, but in a real situation where we're on zoom and we can interact and I can actually like have the music up and we're looking at it together. And then you could even like bring your song and we could be looking at, um, you know, examples from, from people in the class. So if that's something that's interesting to you, definitely let me know studyingthesong at gmail.com. Um, I'm also going to put it up on my Instagram, I think as maybe like a little poll or something like that. So make sure you're following me there. It's at studying the song, or you can follow my personal page at coryyamaoka.com. If you found today's episode helpful or previous episodes, like if you've been enjoying this podcast, leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that other people can see that this is like legit and they might get something really good out of it. And then share it, share it with a friend. That's what I'm like, the biggest thing is just to get more people 
aware of this as a resource for them in their journey. I know not everybody can afford to have a weekly voice teacher or a voice coach. Um, It's expensive. I get that. Everybody's trying to find work, etc. This is a totally free resource. This is me being your vocal coach in your earbuds every week. Um, So yeah, spread the word and let's get other people tuned on and turned on and tuned in. Um, Until next time, I hope you are well. I hope you are singing and getting back out there. Um, I will see you next time on Studying the Song.